How are you able to punch back? I mean, our team's relentless. Uh, we had great performances uh, by Austin Grouse on the mound, and uh, our offense just keeps going. We pass it along one guy to the next guy. We had 19 hits yesterday. We had another 19 today. The Bulls' offense is uh, it's bar to none. We compete, and uh, that's what we do. We get things rolling. We pass it to the next guy. Line drive by Bettencourt. That ball's hit well to left center field. It's got some carry. It's gone. Rafael Bettencourt. Lines that ball. Oh, Grouse catches it. That was good defense. One and two to Monkey. Oh, and he smashes that ball. The wind could help in this situation. Plumley is so fast, but he's not going to get there. Stone off the eight. Oh, Marcus Bordell starts it in style. Lines it deep to right, and that is out of here. Five in the ninth, and that is a chopper that scoots through the middle. Two runs will score. It's nine to seven. Rosenblum having a day. Down two. Mayo lines that one, and that could get down. It does. They're going to go ahead and send home the next run, and it's nine to eight. Rodell scores easily, oh, and this is unbelievable. Five straight hits for the Bulls. Tied now, Eric Snow lines it, hits the first base back. That's a lead for the Bulls right there. Mayo will come home easily, and it's 10 to nine. Eric Snow whacked it off the first base back. A huge RBI knock. It's going from first, Brutcher drives it through the right side of the infield. Here's another run for you, an RBI single. And it's 11-9. Two away. Curveball over to second base. Bobby Bozer fields it. Throws the first and the Bulls win it. So welcome to back to the It's Brewing at McEwen podcast. It's been a while since our last show. Um, there's been a lot of you know, developments and changes with the baseball program. Our last show, I believe, was two or three weeks before the end of the season. So... Um, the end of the season was actually pretty interesting. We got to see the Bulls go on a really nice run in the conference tournament. Uh, they won their first two games in the conference tournament, beating East Carolina and UCF. Um, I think the main takeaway from that run was just seeing uh, some of the young players that were kind of like the stars all regular season. Um really stepping up and like a Eric Snow, Raphael Betancourt, Bobby Bozer, but also some veterans kind of had like their renaissance as well. Mm -hmm. Like Ben Rosenblum really, um, you know, came out, came into his own. So we saw a lot of good things there. And then after the season ended, you know, we had the MLB draft, we had some coaching changes. Um, so we'll get into all that. Um, but today I'm, uh, I'm joined by, um, Matthew, who's been a host for us all last season, and we actually have uh, a, a new host who's joining us this year. Um, we all we still have John. John is still one of our hosts. Um, he is uh, not able to make it tonight, but I did want to introduce uh, our new host, our new co-host, uh, Adam Cartwright. Um, we met through uh, Twitter, just USF Twitter. Um, talking a lot about USF baseball and we were lucky to have him reach out and say he's able to help us if we could take more help and uh, so we're really happy to have Adam but I'm gonna let Adam uh, introduce himself uh, real quick. Hey everybody it's Adam uh, good to be here first uh, first initiation with the Bruin crew been a, been a USF fan for quite a, quite a while was a graduate of, of USF in 2013 
Um, spent about a decade or so coaching high school baseball and football and uh, ready, to, ready to get talking about some USF baseball. Awesome. Yeah, so we're really glad to just have another perspective. Um, it really always adds a lot to the show. You know, ideally we'll have all four of us and we'll have a lot of good, um, you know, back and forth with everyone. Um, but we're really excited about tonight just because there's so much material for us to kind of catch up on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the first thing that kind of comes to my mind, um, thinking about, you know, the last few months is the the MLB draft. And uh, so I just want to go one by one, get your guys' reactions to the to the MLB draft. Um, uh, Matt, I'll, I'll start with you. What do you what do you think about it? I think uh, in terms of, you know, if you're a Bulls baseball fan, it was a pretty, pretty good draft for, uh, you know, the future of our team. Obviously, uh, you know, it allows for guys like Drew Richard to come back next season, um, which I think is a positive for him as well. Um, you know, he didn't obviously get what he wanted in this year's draft and for him to be able to come back for another season and, and put up some numbers. I think it's uh, mutually beneficial for both the team and uh, for Drew. But besides that, I think the thing that's really important is the fact that, you know, the, the class that we were expecting to get from the high school class, we're going to most likely get all of those players to come in. And with that, having a, a very large recruiting class coming in, we have a lot of different options at different positions and also being able to build up our pitching staff again after, uh, you know, losing some players through the portal. Yeah, Adam, do you have any thoughts on the draft? Yeah, you know, overall, you're just, you're disappointed for the players that that were draft eligible that you know didn't get their name called. Uh, but it, you know, as, as Matthew said, for a Bulls baseball fan, it was great. Uh, have some of these players have the opportunity to come back. Uh, I, I think what you're still seeing in the draft, and it might be interesting to get you know Coach Mole or, or someone like that's perspective on it is you're still kind of seeing that COVID log jam, especially when it comes to position players with all those guys that were taking their COVID years, you know, where you had the you know the senior years of high school, they didn't get to redo senior year. And so you had, you know, essentially just kind of two classes that are really log jamming up uh, college athletics really across all the sports. But, you know, maybe those position players like Brutcher and Cantu, that there's just so much talent still still available, you know, because guys are getting those extra years. Uh, you know, it might have had a little something to do with it. But, again, disappointed for them. But uh, be really, really excited to see him play play with us again. You know? Yeah, no, for sure. You know, I think another guy that, you know, may have had some potential to maybe even get drafted was Hunter Mink, who was a mm-hmm. weekend starter for us most of the year. Um, and, you know, he his name wasn't called this year, but – I think now if he returns, which I believe that he will um, for this season, uh, he's got a real opportunity to kind of just put together a full good season. You know, he uh, he started off really hot kind of last year as a starter towards the tail end wasn't his best. But I mean, um, you know, I think he's someone that definitely has the aspirations to play pro. And I think he's going to take this last year really serious and and really, um, you know, put it together. Same for Drew. I mean, he's got to be very motivated. Um, to, to really just kind of show what he can do one more time. And I think that that'll pay off for him. And, you know, we got to mention also Daniel Cantu um, was a great player for us for four years, um, was the most outstanding player in the AAC championship a couple of years ago. But, um, you know, he was looking to get drafted as well. Didn't get his name called 
and um, took the opportunity uh, to become a grad transfer going to Florida State. Um, so nothing but, you know, good luck to him and uh, congrats to him for, you know, the move that he felt was best for him, you know. Yeah. Um, on just kind of thinking on that two point, I think for mid majors, uh, or, you know, not the power five, if you will. Now, the NCAA tournament is very important. And being in those games, uh, you know, you look, Oral Roberts had a couple guys get drafted, you know, at, at position players get drafted, you know, after their run. So I think a good postseason run for some of these guys coming back uh, it can go a real long way. Yeah, that's a really good point. When you, when you are in the position that our program is, which right now is as a mid-major, um, you know, to get that exposure, to get that national media coverage, to, you know, get more eyeballs on you as a player, you have to be winning games and you have to make a tournament. And, um, you know, we didn't do that last year. And I think that, um, you know, kind of had to had a little bit to do with, you know, not having the draft picks to the level that we normally see. But, you know, I think the whole team is going to be really motivated to, you know, start winning, get back to the tournament, because it's not only going to be, you know, important for them to like win and have success, but also it's going to help their careers as well. So I think, um, I think the MLB draft was a real, let's, and, and I made this in a positive way. It was like a wake up call. It was like, Hey, we need to start doing better in order to, you know, get our players where we want them to go. And I think everybody's on board with that. Um, I think the good transition here is, it's pretty evident uh, with the way that we've recruited this off season, that there's definitely an emphasis on, you know, let's, we need to win this season. We need to win right now. And I even heard uh, coach Alan Kunkel, who's the new uh, AHC recruiting coordinator for, for USF. He had an interview with uh, Derek Sharp of uh, Bulls radio, where he was saying that, you know, when when Billy called him to to you know take this job to offer this job and everything said hey the main thing is we need to win games like right now and I think like everyone is invested in that and you could tell by the way that we've kind of recruited in the offseason of bringing in a lot of JUCO bringing a couple D ones um, and and returning you know a lot of this talent but um, speaking of those recruiting classes um, I wanted to you know, kick it back to you guys. Um, uh, I'll start with Matt. Um, who has stood out for you in terms of uh, a JUCO uh, commit that we have coming in? Yeah, for me, I like uh, Jaden Ross a lot. He is uh, a really good contact hitter. He played a couple of years of JUCO baseball up in New York. And, uh, you know, he batted 381 over those two years. And not only that, he's great at getting on base. And when he's on base, he steals bases as well. Uh, over the course of his two seasons in JUCO, he stole 53 bases. So I think adding that, you know, type of speed to the lineup is going to be, you know, you slot him in at the number one position in the lineup and you have guys like Eric Snow and Drew Brutcher behind him. We're going to be, you know, potentially scoring a lot of runs. I'm excited about that. Yeah, that's that's a good one, Matt. And, I, you know, Jaden Ross, from what I've learned about him is he, uh, I think he's originally from the Tampa Bay area. And I think he, I don't know if it was his senior year or after, I can't remember if he took a post-grad, but he uh, went to the A3 Academy here in, in Tampa and and really kind of like, you know, got fully invested and just 
trying to become the best player he could out of high school so he could have a chance to play college baseball. It doesn't sound like he was, you know, too highly recruited before that, but he really developed um, as a senior, got an opportunity to play Juco and, um, you know, he's, he's done a, a really well there. Um, a guy from the A3 Academy, I think his name is Matt, Matt, I'm going to hack his name, Matt Bomeisel. Um, he, he, he tweets a lot um, about his A3 players and very smart baseball guy. Um, he was kind of giving a lot of praise uh, for Jaden and, and, and like how he developed at the Academy and did good in Juco and he's playing summer ball in the perfect game collegiate league and, made the all-star all-star team there so hitting like 337 so um yeah definitely an interesting player to keep an eye on he'll be a junior with the bulls uh this upcoming season so um with that i'll go to adam um who's interesting to you uh as someone coming in from juco yeah i'm really liking uh the uh, catcher mario lopez jr uh coming in from the state college of florida uh, hit 311, but also packs a lot of pop uh, in a in a, a five foot inch frame, which you might think might be a little undersized for a catcher, but uh, it's very very athletic. I don't know that he's penciled in locked as a catcher, but uh, what his his videos online are showing, he's got quick feet, good glove, pretty good arm. So you know, not not upset. <laughs> I think it looks like if he's back there, but um, again, I think he could be a versatile player for Coach Mole, who maybe likes to move some guys around here and there. So uh, I think he might be able to make an impact pretty quick. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, the fact that he's able to hit well at a, you know, D- D1 Juco in Florida, State College of Florida and Bradenton. Very, very good one too. Yeah, it's very, we've had some success getting players from there. I think uh, Logan Lyle uh, played there. Um, so it's a really competitive Juco and you get a player from there. They're playing against good competition. Put up numbers that he did. Yeah, uh, definitely pretty exciting. I think he's originally from south florida um i think the broward data area i'm not sure but yeah yeah. but um yeah so for me uh, a juco guy that kind of got me excited that i'm looking forward to kind of seeing a little more is uh matt brown um he is a right-handed pitcher that pitched the last season this past season at saint pete college uh so he's local local but he's originally from canada so he's kind of had a long journey uh, yeah. down and it's he actually had a an initial juco which i think was like somewhere in illinois so this this guy's just taking a tour um <laughs> all the way down to florida um but you know he's originally from canada he's i think i mentioned he's 6'4 230 he's got a big frame um sits in the low 90s can can get to the mid 90s and one thing that stood out about me stood out stood out about him for me um from his stats last year at st pete college was he has really good control and it's pretty evident that he's got some stuff as well because the strikeout to walk ratio was 3.6. He struck out more um, batters than innings pitched, which always means he got pretty good stuff. And his walks per nine was, you know, less than three. So, I mean, he's got control, he's got stuff and he's clearly got velocity. So if he can put it all together in the fall camp and really impress coach Mole, I mean, he's a guy that could maybe earn himself a starting spot in the rotation because he, he started 14 out of 14 games on the mound for, um, for St. Pete college. So he regularly goes deep into games. So he's got the build, he's got the experience. Um, I think for somebody like him, it's just going to be putting it all together when he gets on campus and 
I think he'll be able to do that. So definitely pretty excited about Matt Brown. Um, and now I'll kind of go to you guys for for the high school recruiting class. It's a it's a very big recruiting class from high school. Um, you know, I wanted to just kind of see if there's any high school recruits coming in that caught your guys' attention. Uh, Matt, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think one of them that really catches my attention is Logan Beavis. He's a six foot six uh, pitcher, and from what I've seen, he's got some really, uh, really good stuff in terms of velo. I think he hits ninety four on the gun, and at the same time, he's ranked in the top three hundred in perfect game. Uh, so obviously, there's there's been a lot of eyeballs on him. Being in the top five hundred, um, just generally speaking. Is a, is a good sign. And also, uh, he's a right-handed pitcher. So I think we've been pretty strong in terms of left-handed pitchers over the past few years. So, uh, you know, bringing in a, a strong prospect that's a, a big right-handed pitcher is intriguing to me, uh, especially someone of his size and, and stature. Yeah, I think um, he was recorded a perfect game event up to 95 miles an hour earlier this year. Um, he was, you know, mentioned on, like, MLB draft boards from different websites like Baseball America, that he was somebody that may have actually been picked in this draft that just passed in the top five, 10 rounds. Um, he wasn't picked. And part of that might be that he may have told uh, teams that he's planning on going to campus. Um, so, I mean, that's just, you know, speculation, but he definitely had the the talent to be drafted that high. So, it seems like he's betting on himself that he thinks he can come to USF and 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 develop and get even better and maybe turn himself into a top two or three round MLB draft pick, you know, in a few years. So, uh, yeah, he's definitely also, also too, uh, you know, he, he was a top 10 right handed pitcher out of the state of Florida, too, for high school students or high school athletes. So, yeah. you know, being in a competitive state like Florida, being a top 10 right handed pitcher. That's uh, definitely says a lot. Yeah, and it looks like he pitched at the Montverde Academy, which is a pretty uh, competitive uh, high school. They I think that's where uh, Lindor played uh, high school baseball. So it's a pretty um, big program for high school. But um, Adam, uh, I wanted to ask you, anybody from the high school class stood out to you? Yeah, you know, we got a kid named uh, Dawson Mock coming in. A uh, pretty good high school shortstop has actually spent the summer playing in a collegiate league. So going ahead and getting a taste of the, of the step up early, which is always good. Has also taken that opportunity to spend some time in left field and um, I think a couple other positions as well. So again, you know, harping back to that versatility that's going to come back and help for us. Uh, good size frame, about 6'1", 6'2", maybe 190 pounds, 200. So uh, again, he's going to come in looking pretty athletic. I think we'll be able to move him around. I don't know if uh, if we'll see him right off the bat, but we might. I think he'd be pretty good. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I like the fact that he took it upon himself to play summer baseball against a bunch of, you know, guys that are older than him, more experienced than him. Um, there's not many freshmen coming in that do that. So credit to Dawson for putting himself out there and, uh, you know, getting that experience. It's only going to help him when he comes to campus in the fall. So he's definitely somebody that's, you know, a dark horse to, you know, kind of maybe earn himself some some playing time early on. Um, 
for me, um, a pitcher that I thought was pretty interesting is uh, a guy that we got to know a little bit um, because Matthew did an interview with him a few months ago, uh, Corey Kling. Um, he's uh, from West Boca High School down in South Florida. Um, we got a lot of uh, media coverage. There's a, a, a guy down in down that area that does a lot of profiles on high school players and I got to see some interviews with Corey and see some of his highlights and seemed like every time he went out there for West Boca he was always you know throwing a shutout or a no hitter or like he just very seemed like he was very dominant um in his high school season um he's not the biggest guy I think he's like 5'10 5'11 um like 180 or something like that but you know he's he's only going to be a freshman he's got plenty of time to fill out develop put on even a little more velocity um, but I think the fact that he has already shown that he's, you know, really, was really dominant at the high school level. Um, I think that definitely bodes well for when he comes to campus, you can show up, uh, confident when fall camp comes around just being in, you know, good form in high school. So I, I'm pretty excited to see what he does. Um, so, you know, that, as I mentioned, he's a right-handed pitcher, um, but, you know, we also brought in uh, two players uh, from uh, other Division One programs. Uh, his name is Peyton Jula. Um, he pitched at Austin P University, which is in Tennessee. Um, he's actually, I believe he's a grad transfer. He's, I think he's played four years of college baseball. Um, I think the main thing to look for out of him is his experience but also uh, just his nat his pure stuff. Um, there's a guy I follow on Twitter. His name is Mason McCray. He does a lot of college baseball data and analysis. And he did, um, he had a, a, a graphic up for college baseball pitchers, best curveball in terms of pure stuff. And uh, Peyton Jula was on there in the top 20 in the country for his curveball for his, just the pure stuff factor, movement, spin, all of that. Um, so the one thing that he kind of struggled with last season was his control. But if he reins that in and, you know, has the movement and life that he has on his curveball, um, he could be someone that could be really effective. So especially being a fifth-year senior, you know, he's got the experience. Um, if he can put it all together with that, you know, natural talent he has for the curveball, um, it could be he could be really effective for the Bulls. Um, and, the, and the other, so we really only brought in two Division One players that we know of right now. Um, the other one is uh, Grant Besser, who, who's a left-hand pitcher, pitcher from Rutgers. Um, Matt, you know a little bit about him? Yeah, he uh, you know he was a pretty versatile pitcher with Rutgers, especially in the Big Ten. Uh, he did some starting, uh, especially against. Uh, teams like Maryland, he did a pretty good job against them. He went 5.1 innings and only gave up one earned run in that game. But uh seems like he he really was a versatile type of pitcher in terms of long relief and also starting games. He he's kind of has a body like uh, Nolan Hootie, Nolan Hootie, uh, who which obviously we lose we're going to lose to graduation. Um, but you know he's he's going to be a similar role I think for. Uh, the Bulls this upcoming season as Nolan was and uh you know he's got some good stuff he he runs in the low 90s and uh I think overall just having that veteran presence someone that has big game experience coming in and potentially you know competing for 
a rotation spot or, you know, he could be just as versatile with the Bulls as he was with uh, Rutgers as well. Yeah, I think that's – I think he's really interesting too. Um, he originally pitched at uh, Florida Southwestern Junior College with uh, Riley Skeen, and I think they're pretty good friends. Um, so it's pretty cool to get somebody, you know, like that in here. Um, like you said, being able to pitch five and a third against Maryland, especially as good as Maryland was last year, you know, having like two players drafted in the first few rounds, and they were they were Matt Shaw and uh, Luke Shigler. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's very clear. It's very evident that Grant Besser can pitch. Um, he, uh, I saw some scouts talking about him on Twitter um, during one of the games where they mentioned that his fastball's got a lot of life on it. Um, 2,550 RPM uh, fastball, so probably a two-seamer with some good arm side run to it, um, which is pretty nice coming from the left-hand side of the plate. Um, they had him topping out at 90 that day, but, you know, given his control and his stuff, I mean, he, he clearly has what it takes to be effective, especially especially coming from the left-hand side of the plate. So I think he's another and, interesting, interesting guy. And also, too, his overall ERA for the season, you know, considering college and, and the numbers we typically see within, you know, pitching ERA, uh, his overall ERA was 5.32, which, you know, would, you know, you could definitely work with that. And, uh, you know, if he improves on that, he could be a really nice piece. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So I think, like I said, like, you know, we, we got started on this topic just talking about how, like, you know, it's clear that the coaching staff's intention is, hey, we need to win now. And it's clear that, you know, they're recruiting um, in that manner. Um, and so that, that's really good to see. Um, and it kind of makes us just want to do a, a quick segment um, just to kind of speculate uh, on what next year's, you know, lineup could look like, right? I mean, I, we're only in July of 2023. And, you know, the players aren't going to really be on campus until late August. Um, I think they'll start practicing in early September. And, you know, we'll try to get out there and maybe watch a couple scrimmages and see how guys are looking. Um, and, and you can really learn a lot in the fall. You know, it's yeah. it's it's really good stuff because these guys are competing, uh, you know, for jobs with each other. It's similar to how, you know, people pay attention to spring football, you know, your position battles or summer, summer training camp. So the fall will be really good. Um, guys are going to kind of earn the pecking order and it's going to kind of sort itself out. Um, so that that's going to be pretty cool to see. But when we think about next season, um, who who for you? I'll start with you, Matt. Give me a couple names that you feel like for next season. Um, how should I say this? We can't say that anybody's guaranteed anything because at the end of the day, everybody's got to earn their spot. But let's say if we woke up Billy Mole in the middle of the night and he said, you need to put a line of card together right now for next season, who would he most likely put on it? Um, that's what I want to, I want to know from your perspective, Matt, who's, who's kind of like a lock for you. If, if, if we had a game today. I would say my locks would probably be obviously Drew Brecher. He's uh, I think he's now in the top 10 for all time USF home runs. Uh, so if he comes back next season, he's definitely uh, slotting in as my favorite to make the opening day lineup. And then obviously uh, Bobby Bozer had a breakout campaign last year with, I think he had 15 or 16 home runs. Um, so that's definitely going to be a huge piece of our, of our lineup next year. And then, uh, you know, you look at the young guys like uh, 
you look at Eric Snow, uh, he's coming off a great season. And also, uh, you know, you look at Raphael Betancourt, I think those four guys right there are going to be locks to make the opening day starting lineup. Yeah, that's a good point. And I'll, I'll kick it to Adam here in a second, but I, I wanted to think about those guys in terms of positions, right? Like, I feel like if we had to make a lineup today for next season, I feel like you would put Drew Brutcher in right field. You'd put Bobby Bozer in either center or second base, but we'll, I'll get to that in a second. Eric Snow at shortstop. And I think Rafi at first, but um, Adam, we had a few other names that we thought, you know, would probably be in the opening day lineup if we made it tonight. Like, who were who some of those other guys? Yeah, well, I think, you know, right off the top, I'm going to talk about Ben Rosenblum just because, you know, after the tournament he had, you, you feel like he definitely earned a shot, you know, to start the year behind the plate. I mean, he, he hit well, but I think when you go back and you watch those games, he, he caught really well. Um, and so I, I think, you know, he's definitely earned that position. I think Joaquin Monquet can kind of come in and be the DH slash catcher that, that spells Rosenblum behind the plate because nobody can be back there uh, for the entire season. So we're going to need a – you got to have two catchers. Uh, so I think Monquet, again, another guy, I think 297 on the year, a lot of double pop, which is just a matter of – you know, it's just a matter of inches whether that becomes home run pop. So – uh, you know, those are two guys I really like. Um, Marcus Brodill is another one, had a really good tournament. You think it, it deserves a shot there in that outfield to start. Um, you know, we, we mentioned Bozer at second. I think I might pencil him at third, and then that opens up Montez to come back and play some second base for us. Um, but it, the line, positioning for me is so – because these guys are so versatile and mole is so willing to just shake that lineup up. And so to me, we just got to figure out who our best nine hitters are and figure it out from there. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Um, I think that like, you know, if you had to make a lineup tonight, it probably would be the, the, the nine guys. Um, well, let me start from the top. I think if you had to make a lineup today, I think you would do, and I know these positions are fluid. I think you would do, Shortstop Eric Snow. Yeah. Um, you would do second base John Montez, first base Rafael Betancourt, catcher Ben Rosenblum, third base Bobby Bozer. Um, you would have right field Drew Brutcher. I think you would have Jackson Mayo in center field. And I think you'd have Marcus Brodell in left field. And I think that your DH would be Joaquin Monquet. Um, that is essentially your veteran lineup. That's all your guys that have been on this, been with this program for at least one, two, or three years. In some cases, even four. I mean, Monquet would be coming in for his fourth year. Um, and Brodell and Mayo will be coming back for their third year with the program. So that that's like your, your veteran core nine. But there's also a couple guys that were on the roster last year that uh, one of them didn't get to play very much. That's Matt Rose. He was a freshman. And the other one didn't play at all. He was redshirted. That's Stuart Puckett. And uh, I think it's worth mentioning that uh, both of those guys are playing incredibly well um, in their summer leagues. Um, the last I checked, Matt Rose was batting over 400 
in the Sunbelt Baseball League. And also Stuart Puckett made the all-star team of the Florida uh, Collegiate Baseball League. So, I mean, that's 11 guys right there that are all really solid. Um, you know, nine veterans, like I said, two guys that are hot in the summer ball. And then you got some of the position players that we mentioned that are transferring in as well. So my takeaway is that there's a lot to sort out when fall comes around. Um, I don't know if you guys have any any other thoughts on the the potential lineup for next year, um, Matt or Adam. Yeah, I think think the biggest competition is going to end up coming from the outfield, uh, just because we brought in a couple of really good JUCO outfielders. Uh, not only did we bring in Jaden Jaden Ross, but we also brought in Cole Robertson, uh, who put up actually similar stats to Jaden Ross. And, uh, you know, a couple of really high contact guys, very athletic builds. Uh, I think they have a, a real shot at, you know, taking up a lot of time out in the outfield. Yeah, definitely. I think I think outfield is going to be really competitive, um, you know, Burrow Delamayo, they're both entering their third years with the program and both have had, you know, streaks of just incredible, like playing just as good or anybody else on this team. Um, for each of them, it's just a matter of consistency throughout the season. Um, so the, the, it's going to be interesting to see them compete with some of the new guys, with some of the high school guys, um, a lot of competition in terms of outfield. I agree. I agree. Any, any closing thoughts on the, on the, on the, Line for next year, Adam. You know, I I just keep thinking about a phrase I heard from uh, Mark DeRosa on the OB Network talk uh, back in his time with Texas Rangers when they had Andrews and Kinsler and Hamilton and Beltre and all those boys. And he said the 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 motto in their locker room was "hit or get left behind." And I think that might be something that our position players need to understand is that you know if you're not hitting well, there are guys in our dugout that deserve an opportunity and 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 might you know, take advantage of theirs. And so, you know, you don't want to put pressure on guys at all. It's, it's, it's a good problem for Coach Mole to have and for USF baseball fans to have because I just think there's – I think there's more than nine good hitters in that lineup. And, I, and it's just going to be about who's hot and uh, finding that hot hot bat and getting them in there. That's, that's a great point. I, I feel like you're right. I mean, when you think about the nine you mentioned that are veterans, you think about the other returners, the newcomers, I mean, there's absolutely – more than nine players that can be starting players. It's just going to be a matter of, you know, who's able to be consistent. Um, And there's going to be, of course, platooning and experimenting, um, you know, when that spring comes around. But the good thing about the fall is everybody gets their ABs in the fall. You know, it's it's split squad. So everyone will get opportunities to show what they can do. Um, and it'll be really, really big for some of those guys. So mm-hmm. that'll be that'll be good to see. Um, but yeah, in terms of like the the pitching staff for next year, um, when I think about that, I think I think we have um, a pretty solid group of returners, but it's not quite as deep maybe as the group of returning position players. Um, you know, I think about guys that played a huge role last year. Um, you know, Jack Siebert made all conference uh, as a starting pitcher. Um, Hunter Mink was a weekend starter pretty much all year. Riley Skeen was pretty locked down as a closer. 
Um, Lawson Gailey was a true freshman that spot started, did some relief pitching, who actually ended up having the best ERA on the team. So, you know, credit to him. He's clearly going to be a big factor going forward. Um, But also guys like, you know, veteran Tanner Mink was pretty reliable from the bullpen. Um, Justin Jackson did pretty well as a freshman from the bullpen. Um, And and also uh, a key uh, arm coming back uh, from a pitching standpoint is Joey Bellini, who missed all of last season with Tommy John and now uh, is, is going to be back. And he was a tremendous player in 2022. So um, some good returners uh, from the pitching standpoint. Yeah. So I kind of named some, some pitchers that are returning from last season. Um, Matt, is there any other uh, pitchers returning from last season that you're kind of thinking about going forward? Yeah, I think a couple of guys that really impressed me in a lot of ways last year were Chandler Dorsey, especially early on. Um, you know, he was lights out, especially against the Gators, uh, you know, closing out that game in a big spot. You know, he showed a lot of composure as a freshman. And uh, I think, you know, building off of that uh, campaign he had and his overall physicality, I think that there's a lot of opportunity to uh, really have a productive season this year. I think you know, at times he got a little bit wild and uh, maybe lost his composure a little bit. But overall, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for him to grow the season and, you know, continue to lock down that closer role. And then uh, besides that, Austin Grouse, you know, he had kind of an up and down year last year. But I think at times he he really showed that, you know, he has the potential to make an impact, whether that's coming out of the bullpen or, you know, part of the rotation. And uh, I think with him, a lot of times, you know, he, he lets things get away from him. But I think if he uh, can really lock in this season and kind of not let the little things bother him and, uh, you know, kind of just go out there and, and do his thing, he, he has a lot of opportunity to make a name for himself this season. And then uh, another guy, Jackson Cothran, you know, he's got great stuff. You know, he's got solid below and, uh, you know, he's got a lot of experience as well. And I think. With him, it's it's kind of same thing with uh, with Austin Grouse, but I think that there's a lot of talent there that you know he can utilize this season to really uh, put together a good, I guess, junior season campaign, or would it be a senior season? Yeah, I think I think I think for Jackson, it'll probably be his senior season. Um, I think for Austin, he'll be a junior, and Chandler will be a sophomore. Those are three guys that you know have a ton of potential. Um, they all can live anywhere from the low 90s to mid 90s um they got stuff that moves really well um i think i think we're gonna see a big step forward from you know one two maybe all of them um and that's what i hope to see but i wanted to kick it to adam for um go go ahead matt yeah i I think one more thing i want to point out too about austin grouse is uh his obvious increase in below especially as the season went on uh, you know, like later in the year, he was, he was hitting 95, 96. I think one time I even saw him touch 97. Uh, so I think he has a lot more left in him as well uh, in terms of his physicality and, and being able to, you know, put up some big numbers on the radar guns and then also being able to strike out more batters as well. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I agree, agree with that for sure. Um, I wanted to kick it to Adam and kind of see, like, what are what are your kind of thoughts about pitching staff going into next year as a whole yeah well i think in the fall and then early in the next season you just really want to see a lot of these guys come out and pitch with confidence 
that you know they, they've got good stuff trust your stuff and it, it's got to play in the zone and on top of that we just talked about our lineup trust the fact that you're not going to have to win one to nothing you're not going to have to win you know two you know they're going to they're going to support you if we, if we can you know keep them in the game so go out there knowing that yeah, I'm good. I can I can throw this in the zone and, and see what happens, you know, and just have that confidence that that your stuff will play. And uh, I think I think just that you know simple mindset change. You can see those those walks per nine innings just plummet with with guys just you know having the confidence to be in the zone. You know. No, I I agree, and and not only is it the fact that the you know offense is going to support them, but we have a a very talented defense as well that they can trust. Mm-hmm to put the ball in play behind them because I think last season we had our best team fielding percentage that we've had in a while. And we're bringing back most of that defense. Um, we're bringing back the conference uh, player of the year. Right. Yeah. The defensive player, player of the year, year. Eric Snow, the, the Snow. AAC defensive player of the year at shortstop. So pitchers on our team have all the reason in the world to, like you said, you know, pitch in the zone and trust their stuff because they're going to be backed up by a great defense and a, and a, what appears to be a, a really you know good offense again. Um, one so thing yeah. I want to one thing I want to chime in as well is a great example of someone that did that last season and it showed a lot was Lawson Gailey. You know, every time I looked up at his pitch count, he was in the fourth fifth inning and he's only thrown forty or fifty pitches, and it's because you know he pitched a contact and he trusted the defense behind him, and uh, you know it was allowed him to. Not have to pitch a whole lot of pitches, but at the same time, eat up a lot of innings. Yeah, and he ends up having the best ERA on the team last year, so that shows you that it works. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's good, good stuff for it right there in terms of outlook um, for the team next year. Um, you know, we kind of covered you know some incomers and um, you know the way that we kind of see it shaking out, but. There was a couple other um, changes in the off season for the program. You know, we'll, we'll kind of kind of wrap it up here. And, um, but you know, one thing that was pretty significant was the coaching staff change. Um, we had uh, two of our assistant coaches um, uh, left the program. That was uh, Bo Durkak and uh, Karsten Whitson, who was the pitching coach. Um, Bo Durkak was the recruiting coordinator. Um, I believe Carson Whitson uh, got a position at FIU as a pitching coach over there. So yeah. good luck, good luck to him. Um, but that also allowed the Bulls to bring in two new coaches. And these are two coaches that have a lot of familiarity with USF baseball. Um, Chris Cates uh, was the uh, was an assistant coach at UCF last year. But bef- but before that, he spent time uh, as a as an assistant coach at USF. Um, I believe it was five or six years ago, um, and he was there. I think when Mark Kingston was the head coach, he was also there with Billy Mole. So he has a lot of familiarity with Billy, um, with the program, with some of the alumni. Um, so he's a great guy to bring back. Um, I believe he focuses on. Um, the infield. I think he was a collegiate infielder when in his playing days, um, and also hitting and and maybe just kind of defense as a whole. And then um, bringing in uh, bringing in the other coach we brought in is Coach Alan Kunkel, who you know was with the program 
uh, was with USF, um, I believe like 2020, 2021. He was a, a key assistant for us when we made that run to the Super Regionals. Um, he's a great presence uh, in the locker room as a coach. I, I know him to be uh, a very good um, kind of rallier of the troops kind of guy. Um, also just a really good resource. Um, he was a catcher in college. Um, so it's going to be good to have some of his expertise to maybe help some of the catchers. And uh, he's also going to be the recruit. He's also act he's also now the recruiting coordinator. So he's got a lot of good recruiting ties because he used to be a high school head coach down in uh, South Florida, Broward County. And uh, so he's, he's got a lot of good, good ties to the state of Florida spent the last couple seasons coaching for the university of Alabama, Birmingham. Um, so he's, he's a great person to bring back to the program. So I feel pretty good about the coaching moves we made. Um, you guys have any thoughts on that at all? Yeah, I'm super excited about Alan Kunkel coming back. Um, I think, you know, in terms of recruiting, I think he played a big part in that 2021 run that we made, um, not only on the coaching aspect, but also bringing in a lot of those guys, especially, you know, with those South Florida ties. Uh, you know, we brought in a lot of those really strong athletes that took us uh, pretty far that year. So I, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do now as the overall recruiting coordinator. Um, I think the last thing I wanted to touch on um... – Oh, well, two two more things I want to touch on. One, we just wanted to give some quick shout outs to some alumni that are are doing really well in professional baseball. I mean, the most obvious one is uh, Shane McClanahan made his second MLB All-Star team in a row. Um, so that's pretty incredible. Um, we've had uh, Coco Montez, a USF baseball alumni, make his MLB debut this season. Um David VR has had some opportunities to get up to MLB, kind of bounce between AAA and MLB. Um, Jimmy Herget, I believe, is still playing a pretty good role with the Angels. Um, Peter Strzelecki, um was with the Brewers Major League Club for a while. I think he went to AAA. He's kind of back and forth. But at one point, we had five or six former Bulls in the MLB at one time, which was pretty awesome to see. And there's also been – some good progress in the minor leagues. Uh, Matt, you have some shout outs for that? Yeah, a couple of shout outs. Uh, Ryan Kirkring, I think he uh, recently got called up to double A. He's been moving really quickly in the system uh, with the Phillies. And then also uh, someone else that's a familiar name um, more recently is Brad Lord, who uh, just got called up to advanced A ball. And uh, in his first start ever uh, in advanced A ball, he pitched, I believe, five innings scoreless. Uh, maybe he gave up one run, but either way, uh, he had a really great start for uh, his first start there. Yeah, both of those guys, pitchers, doing really well. Um, I think another interesting one is uh, Carmine Lane, who, uh, you know, got drafted at USF in 2022, uh, got drafted as a uh, as a catcher, actually, which is pretty cool because he played third base for us. Um, but he's at the Marlins uh, Rookie League, Complex League, and he's hitting extremely well. He's like hitting like over 400. Um, he's been able to play catcher in some games and kind of play corner infield in some game in some games as well. But I think um, 
I think the only reason he might still be in rookie ball is because they probably want him to get more repetitions at catcher. Um, but from a hitting standpoint, I mean, he's clearly earned a promotion. So hopefully he gets that soon. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely good to keep up with the the Pro Bowls and 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 you know, hopefully more guys will get their chance at the MLB soon. I think a guy like Andrew Perez is in AAA with the uh, White Sox system. Uh, he's got a lot of great stuff on the mound. So hopefully he gets his chance soon, just like Coco did. So exciting stuff going on with the Pro Bowls. Um, and then last, I give one, go ahead. I want to give one more shout out to. Uh... After you know coming back from injury, Logan Lyle is back in professional baseball uh, with the White Sox organization. So, congrats to him on you know that comeback, and we expect to see some good things out of him. Yeah, for sure. He uh, he's he had Tommy John, um, sat out a whole year, um, did a rehab assignment with the rookie league team for the White Sox in the Arizona complex and uh, did really well. So they were like, okay, he's ready for a ball again. Um, so good luck to him. Um, exciting to see that he's back for sure. Um, and the last thing I wanted to kind of touch on with you guys is just the fact that there's a new conference uh, for the Bulls. Um, you know, we're bringing in uh, five new teams, uh, saying farewell to UCF, which nobody will miss. Um, Cincinnati, and Houston are also moving on to a different conference, but bringing in, uh, for baseball at least, bringing in five baseball teams, um, FAU, uh, University of Texas, San Antonio, and Charlotte. Those are the three that stand out the most to me because all three of those schools finished in the top 100 RPI last year, and Charlotte actually made the NCAA tournament. UTSA was really close to doing it. And um, what was the other one I said? FAU. FAU was really competitive as well. They had a guy get drafted in like the first round, Nolan Shano. Um, so they're they're a really competitive program as well. Um, and then the two other teams coming in are UAB in Birmingham and Rice in Houston, which has a history of being really good at baseball. Um, not recently, but um, definitely in the past. Um, so what are your guys kind of thoughts on the new conference and any implications that that might have? Uh, Matt, I'll let you start. Yeah, I mean, first of all, we're going from eight teams in our conference to 10 teams in our conference. So with that, I'll be interested to see how, you know, that shakes out in terms of our conference schedule. Um, you know, I think in years prior, we kind of started our conference play a little bit later than most other conferences. Um, so I think that kind of creates a, a little bit of a dilemma in terms of scheduling non-conference opponents. Uh, so I think there's going to be, you know, a little bit more consideration taking into, into play for the non-conference schedule. But besides that, in terms of the team itself, or the teams rather, I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head, you know, we're bringing in three really top tier programs uh, that, you know, they, they made the tournament or they were very close. And with that, you know, I think, you know, Houston, they were pretty good last year, but the, the years before that, they were, you know, kind of struggling a little bit. Um, so I, I think we're replacing some, you know, average teams with some really good teams. So it'll be interesting to see how the overall baseball 
uh, environment for the Bulls changes in the upcoming season? Yeah, I mean, it definitely the conference got better. Uh, like, I don't think there's any way to look at it in terms of baseball, football, basketball. It's different, different stories altogether. But for baseball, when you look at the teams that left and then you look at the teams that came in, the conference got better. Our RPI is going to look better. You know, conference series wins are going to look better. You know, everything I think for AAC got better. Um, and you know, you mentioned Rice. I mean, yes, it's not really very recent but it's also not ancient history that they've been to six seven college world series and won one of them so like (laughs) that's you know there's a lot coming from from that program and that's not one of those programs that we mentioned like you said that that's finding that success now so again it's exciting for me is because the conference got better and that's and that's always good for us i think one thing that the conference in general has struggled with in a lot of ways is getting multiple at-large bids. And, you know, I, I think you guys talking about the overall RPI increasing, There, there's a good possibility that, you know, we can actually get multiple at-large bids, um, which would be really exciting for our conference. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely exciting. And like you said, Adam, the conference from a baseball standpoint, it, it is getting better, um, you know, Cincinnati was not a top under RPI team and uh, UCF, I don't think they were either, or they were fringe. Uh, Houston was like barely there. So um, yeah, you're bringing in three teams that were top. I, I, I say top hundred, but they were actually all like top 80. Um, when I think about FAU, UTSA and um, Charlotte. And, and like you said, Rice has a lot of history and, um, when Coach Kunkel was at UAB, I mean, I heard him talk about it a little bit on the interview with Derek Sharp that his first year there, they did really well, made a lot of progress. But his second year there, they had to play, I think, a lot of young players, freshmen, sophomores, and they didn't have the, the same like winning record that they had the year before. But he, he said he sounded pretty optimistic about their future. So they they could end up being a pretty decent team as well. So. I think one implication about the 10 team conference to me that I'm most interested to see is are they going to restructure the conference tournament? Um, is it still going to be in Clearwater? My guess is yes, but there's no guarantee. I mean, you are getting a little bit more schools from out West. Um, but also, I also wonder are they going to make you qualify for the conference tournament? Cause that's something that, that you see in pretty much every conference in the country is that you need to finish in either the top eight of your conference or the top 10, depending on how big your conference is. So the way I think it might turn out is they might keep Clearwater exactly how it is and they might keep it at 18 tournament, but you have to finish in the top eight in the regular season standings to make it to Clearwater. So I'm interested to see how that shakes out because I don't think anything has been officially announced yet as to how that's going to work at least from what i've seen so i'll be interested to see that but and i think also too i i'm almost positive that's how the american had it before uh yukon left and maybe there was another team that i can't think of right now but i'm almost positive that the tournament used to be that way where you had to qualify uh via seedings yeah no you're right it was like that it definitely was like that so 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go back to that. So we'll see how that goes. But um, but yeah, that pretty much covers um everything that we wanted to talk about with you guys today. Um, you know, I think the next thing that we'll probably do is probably in about a month or so, we're gonna try to get Coach Mull on, uh, and we're gonna try to um get out to Washington fall practices once that gets rolling in September and give you guys more updates about things that we're seeing. But um really appreciate everybody listening. Um uh, make sure you're following all of us on social medias um i'm at usf baseball fans on twitter matt is at bases on bowls on twitter um adam is at coach ajc12 on twitter yep and um so yeah make sure you follow us all and uh appreciate everybody listening and talk to y'all soon go bulls, go bulls.